Mic check. One, two, one, two. Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> We're the Q-Dot Podcast on Podcasting, your weekly source for podcast news, tips, and tricks. From production to promotion and everything in between. I'm John Luckenball. And I'm Matthew Stevens. Two podcast experts ready to help you every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Q-Dot Podcast on Podcasting. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Matthew Stevens, and I'm joined by Cued Up founder, John Luckenball. John, how are you doing? We're in June. Matt, I'm doing awesome, man. It's coming off the holiday, and you sound good, man. Ooh, okay. All right, yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> what do you have going on under the hood over there? As you rightfully called out, John, I've changed up some equipment. We went from my tried and true blue snowball mic which was okay. It got, it got me through Yeah. Uh, to uh, 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 actual, the whole nine uh, we're set up. So for those listening at home, it's the budget option. Let's be real. It's the shore PG 58, which comes in at $59, but a really nice mic, uh, a little shock mount here on my stand. And then I have the Bay ringer UMC 22 audio interface. So that way I can actually plug in and then it can go into my computer where I can then record. And that's $49. And you're running that right through your USB into your computer then. Exactly. Yeah. S- simple USB cable. And uh, actually, it came with one for that matter. So you don't even nice. buy one. I, I believe my, my Shure came with a an XLR cable as well. So really, two things. And you're all set up and ready to go. 100 to, bucks. To start yeah. your own podcast. That sounds really good. I, I really like the way your voice is coming through. You have a nice warmth to your voice. Oh, John. <laughs> no i i think it sounds really good you're you're right yeah. i mean the the other one uh the snowball uh, not to knock it again I, I use it for a number of years in a lot of different settings it sounds okay but i i think uh listeners and john you and i kind of pegged on this uh earlier you know it just sounds maybe a little hollow it it, mm. it doesn't have the 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 baseline that comes through it as well it sounds a little tinny again not the worst thing in the world certainly if you're getting started that's an easy mic to get in and out with, but for just a few dollars more, really the, the audio interface along with a shore mic, uh, will, will do you even better. And really, like I said, it's a hundred bucks versus I think the snowballs are like 60. Now the snowball mic, that was a USB mic, right? Yeah. So you've even taken a step up in, in as far as connection wise, which I think the, the XLR mics provide a, a better sound quality. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that one, John. And, and one thing that, um, you know, I really like about this audio interface is that it comes with phantom power. So we're able to kind of really boost up this mic. And obviously the snowball didn't have that. It was all powered through USB, which, you know, again, not terrible, but you're just not going to have the oomph you need to really kind of drive everything the way that you want to do it. And excited to gradually improve my equipment over time, John. And I'm, I'm actually listening to let's, let's give the full equipment roundup. Uh, these headphones I love. They are the Sony MDR 7506. It's the first nicer pair of headphones I have. And even then they were like $90 and I have abused these things for a good four or five years yes. and they just take it. That's the same kind of headphones that I'm using too, especially out in the field when I have to do location recording. Like you said, these things take a beating. I've had short headphones. I've had techniques headphones. That you fold them up the wrong way, and next thing you know, you have one headphone dangling off. <laughs> uh, yeah. These things 
these things, these headphones are really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I did a little modification to mine. You can buy a, uh, a third party ear protection for it. So that way it cuts off the sound a little bit better, cushions the ear a little bit better. The, the one that it came with, not the greatest. Uh, it works for a little while, but it starts to kind of deteriorate pretty quick and it's not as, uh, not as comfy around the ear. So I, you know, again, $200 in total. You have a nice pair of headphones. You got a nice mic and an audio interface goes into your computer i'm using audacity to record this for the full curtain reveal let's just pull it all back 200 bucks i mean you, you got a podcast your mic did that come with the xlr i believe it did so i i i gotta say this the shore mic came a few years ago when i was doing football stuff and had to interview people out on the road and, and uh john my audio setup not great man not great it was just an xlr cable to a 3.5 millimeter jack uh, into a, a terrible old Sony recorder <laughs> and uh, the static on that thing, man. Let's just say I wasn't putting out a whole lot of audio with that. So, well, John, I sound better. Let's take a look at what Apple is doing. I mean, we, we've always covered the numbers here on the Queued Up podcast. And, uh, you know, for a long time there, it was skyrocketing. Where, where is it at now, John? How many podcasts in total, valid podcasts, are there right now? So currently, we are at 2,163,041 with 51,901,907 total episodes available. Ooh, that sounds like a lot. And, and John, you and I have had this discussion a few times off, off mic. Two, we'll just round up, 2.2 million podcasts. That sounds like an awful lot. But in reality, those numbers aren't probably all that accurate. It's a lot of those numbers include podcasts with an episode, just a trailer, things that haven't been put out in, in months and months and months. The reality is, is 2 million probably is not accurate, but it did show for the longest time that there was significant growth in people trying to put out their own podcasts, trying to do their own thing. Uh, and we're starting to see that kind of fall off a little bit, John. I mean, we went from 2.1 to 2.16. So not a whole lot. No, it's, it's the first month in a while that it's kind of slowed down a little bit. Comparatively, from March to April, it was 80,000. And from February to March, it was about 100,000. So this last month, we've only had just under 60,000 podcasts added. Now, going back to your, your point about the active podcast, Matt, what I like to look at is the detailed activity, the 90-day activity. So within the last 90 days, there's only 751,768 podcasts that have been active or just under 35% of those podcasts. It's worth even taking a look at that even further. That's 90 day activity. So technically speaking, someone could have published one episode two and a half months ago and it's still <laughs> yeah. technically speaking active. So a lot of those people that kind of came in at the end of, of 2021, early or excuse me, end of 2020, early 2021, still could be in that active phase. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they might not have very many episodes, if any at all. Again, take all of these numbers with a certain grain of salt, but the competition, you know, look, you, you still do have 750,000-ish uh, active podcasts within the last 90 days. That is a lot of competition for sure. Yeah, oh, sure, for sure. Um, but maybe not quite the number that you, you see everyone touting right now in, in all of these reports. And, uh, you know, 2 million sounds great. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy, certainly as a podcast agency. 
I love hearing 2 million. That's great. That means more business. But in reality, uh, it's not quite that high. So speaking of Apple, John, we've got Apple podcast subscriptions. Now they started that recently, or at least started taking the initial subscriptions uh, or the initial submission for subscriptions. I'm going to be honest with you. They're a little underwhelming for me. Apple said they have hundreds of submissions from publishers. Now, granted, each publisher could have a bunch of different podcasts earning subscriptions. But that being said, as we, we've heard previously from, I believe it was iHeartMedia, uh, Bob Pittman had said, that, like, look, the su- subscription model isn't really for us. It's not what we're about. So chances are you're not having someone like an iHeart or a, a New York Times do a lot of the subscription stuff necessarily. Uh, as they are more interested in the ad sales that they can get from that rather than trying to to kind of nickel and dime users. So hundreds of submissions from publishers probably means about that. You're Apple. You are at currently the leading podcast distributor, uh, the podcast app out there. Hundreds is not exactly a lot. And even if we take that to a thousand. So I did some quick napkin math. The average subscription is about $5, let's say. And if you have 1,000 podcasts, which is going above the hundreds that Apple even admits they have, and each of those podcasts get 1,000 subscribers, then you're looking at a million subscribers times $5, so $5 million. That sounds like a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd take $5 million, but Apple's cut's going to be about 30% of that for the first year. So you're looking at $1.5 million for, for subscriptions. Now, again, sounds like a lot. Apple's worth, if I'm correct, trillions. Yeah, so is it really even worth it? I find that interesting personally. What I find especially interesting, John, is that they say they're delighted by that. They're they're pleased by the number of submissions they have thus far. Either Apple is lying, (laughs) to put it bluntly, uh, and they're not very pleased about that, but they certainly can't, can't say otherwise because it is a service they're trying to go ahead and launch. Or... Apple is looking at this long term and they're saying, look, we got a few hundred right now. Once we start to pay out and people start to feel comfortable with this, once the market's there and we can start dragging these people into it, it's a long term plan. We're not looking at one year. We're looking at 10 years. And honestly, if you're Apple, again, you're worth a lot of money. Chances are you're looking a decade down the line, not next quarter. There's also another player that wants to enter the world of podcasting, and that's uh, Netflix. So they've created something called N+, which is a platform described as a future online space where you can learn more about the Netflix shows and things related to them. And more recently, the Los Angeles Times reported on May 18th that Netflix is pushing further into audio and had posted a job for their head of podcast department. So Netflix's current network of podcasts are primarily tied to the promotion of popular TV shows and movies. And podcasts have become a popular way for creators to test out ideas on a cheap, which can later be developed into additional TV shows or movies. Some examples of that include Gimlet Media's Homecoming or LA Times' true crime podcast, Dirty John. M-Plus could be another way that Netflix keeps people engaged and remaining within its platform. Also, it could have a secondary effect of building fandom around new original shows that it's launching. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And again, you know, we've talked about this previously, but as we start to see large brands and Netflix, you know, one of the largest brands right now, especially for streaming content, they're entering the space. 
these types of companies don't go ahead and invest. I mean, a, a, a program director, probably $100,000 plus, they don't invest that type of money in the staff needed to go ahead and do that and in the talent needed to produce that stuff unless they're kind of committed to really doing it, unless they see the dollars and cents on the other end. And you know, as we've mentioned, John, that's, that's a good thing. It's not necessarily great for competition. It sucks to have to compete with a Netflix, but at the same time, it does show there really is, there, there's money in this. It is yeah. the future type of entertainment at the very least, which is, is exciting to see. Speaking of streaming services, I think that would be a awesome topic for today's podcast, live streaming the benefits of it, who is doing live streaming, and how to set up a live stream feed. What is live streaming? Well, John, that's a great question. I I think it's going to differ for a bunch of different people, but uh, predominantly what you see it right now is live content. You know, For this podcast, we would be putting it out online just like a radio show where you'd be listening to all the blips and blurbs and the ums and everything we've got to say live as it happens, usually there's some form of engagement there with the audience, whether they can ask questions, cheer us on. Uh, In the past, when I've done podcasts live streamed, that's exactly what we've done. We've had you know a live audience around that can ask questions, and then we kind of open it up for a period of time to be able to answer those questions. Again, that's more related to football for me personally, um, but I imagine for us, questions from audience members other podcasts, uh, other businesses out there that might want to know a little bit more about what we're talking about can ask those questions. I see three big benefits to live streaming, Matt. The biggest benefit of live streaming is the devoted audience that would come with it. Those that will turn up for the live stream will be your biggest fans who promote what you do and you can interact with them directly. Two would be to add variety to your podcasting. So live streaming gives you a huge chance to produce members-only content. Uh, you can create episodes that are available as a live stream to audience members who subscribe. It's also a great opportunity to be a little bit more casual with your audience without the ability to over-edit or over-produce. A third benefit would be that it's a more unique way to connect with the audience. As you mentioned, live streaming can really drive the show forward, especially allowing the listeners to ask questions in real time as the show is happening. Doing a live Q&A with your audience is a great way to increase engagement. For example, you can stream an episode with a special guest and have a Q&A session at the end. Excellent. And, you know, from my personal experience, John, I actually found it was great for discoverability. Yeah. Um, by streaming directly to a social network, especially if we had a larger following, we found that we got more listens in that live stream than we ever did from the downloaded podcast. And yeah. when you combine them together, especially if, if it's, you know, we're just taking our live stream and then turning it into a, a distributed podcast. Traditionally, I got a chance to count those together for my numbers, and and they were significant. I know with social networks, a lot of the times they do highlight people that are doing live content. So if you follow someone, again, queued up being a great example. If we were to do a live show, it would pop up on Facebook and saying, "Hey, queued up is live right now. Go check them out." So we might get more people that would necessarily listen to us traditionally. To go ahead and do that. And John, as you start to kind of dig into those stats, I was amazed at the number, uh, the numbers that I'm hearing. So Damian Burns, the senior vice president at Twitch, uh, released Twitch's latest facts and figures back in January. Their average daily visitors, 26.5 million. 
their average viewership at any given moment, 2 million plus. Wow. 6 million unique creators streaming each month. And then more importantly, John, the minutes watched in 2020, 1 trillion, a trillion minutes. That's ridiculous. How many zeros is that? Is that nine? <laughs> that's a lot of zeros, Sean. No, that's 12. 12 zeros. And let's divide that by 60, right? Because it's every minute. That is 16.6 repeating million hours of streamed content in 2020. That's insane. And John, that kind of backs up with a lot of the other numbers that we're seeing from places like YouTube, uh, Spotify, and TikTok. Rex Woodbury, investing at Index Ventures, took a look at the total numbers here. 15.8 weekly hours for your average weekly user. 15.8 hours there. 5.7 for YouTube. 1.9 for TikTok. And then Spotify, who we've talked about being platform agnostic, being on Spotify and Apple. Spotify's at 6.4, John. So more than double the weekly hours spent on Twitch for your average weekly user than Spotify. That's that's pretty crazy to just to see the difference in the numbers. Spotify, who is, you know, one of those four hundred pound gorillas in the room, they have recently gotten more involved with audio streaming. So in March, they acquired Betty Labs, which is a creator of Locker Room, which is a live audio app that's changing the way insiders and fans talk about sports. This acquisition accelerates Spotify's entry into the live audio space. So Spotify's plans will be to evolve and expand the Locker Room app into an enhanced live audio experience for a wider range of creators and fans, where through this new live experience, Spotify will offer a range of sports, music, and cultural programming, as well as a bunch of interactive features that allow you to connect with audiences in real time. Exactly. That's awesome. And you're starting to see, I mean, certainly, again, the numbers back this up. Live streaming is big business right now. I believe one of the later numbers that I saw was $1.54 billion for Twitch last year compared to YouTube's $1.46 billion for live streamed content. I mean, again, we're talking about billions of dollars here. (laughs) Certainly, Spotify makes sense to be jumping onto that bandwagon, as we saw with the number of hours. The people are there. Uh, You just now need to start building the platforms for them. So who is it for? The the growing popularity of audio streaming gives most businesses and organizations an incentive to hop on a trend and reach their audience in in this new way. Do you have some examples of, of businesses, organizations, and individuals taking advantage of this? Absolutely. Well, again, I think most people maybe understand live streaming when it comes to video games, and especially when we're talking about mm-hmm. Twitch. Uh, you know, that type of content is king on Twitch. But, you know, for businesses, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you got panels and conferences, especially now as we're getting out of the coronavirus pandemic, and you're maybe starting to see people maybe not necessarily want to show up to live events a ton, but you can get a panel together. Those make a ton of sense to be able yeah. to live stream to your audience, they don't ever have to leave their house, their office, so it's more convenient for them. You've got company-wide meetings like earnings reports or, or training if you're a larger company. And that would be like more internal, like like an internal podcast or internal live stream, right? Exactly, exactly. I, I kind of maybe liken it more to your school announcements in the morning. <laughs> uh, you know, it's effectively all it really is, but you can do it more for company-wide things. Um, sports broadcasts, religious broadcasts, you know, churches have really taken up live streaming over the last year 
again, throughout the pandemic with, with them being either closed or yes. limited capacity, live stream made a ton of sense for them. And then you've got media outlets that you're starting to see get into it. I mean, newspapers are getting more into live streaming, mm-hmm. um, blogs and, and that type of content's getting more into live streaming. Again, the audience is there and you flock to where the audience is. So for businesses, it makes a ton of sense, but it also makes a lot of sense just for podcasters. Again, 15.8 weekly hours, which is more than double what people listen to on Spotify. I don't see why, if you have the capabilities, if you have the inkling to do it, and if your audience is there, you know, podcasters really should start looking at live streaming, either video content or even just audio content to maybe reach additional listeners with very little extra work. And John, it really isn't a lot of work to set up a, a, a live stream, is it? No, it isn't. And we could definitely help out with that if, <laughs> if needed. Absolutely. Uh, you can always go to qd-up.com or info at qd-up.com. Talk to us about live streaming. We'll certainly help you out. And I know we're helping out a client right now with a live stream panel, as a matter of fact. So reach out and uh, hit us up if you're thinking about it. And we can go ahead and hook you up. But John, for those people at home that maybe just want a, a quick rundown, we already talked about my jump in audio equipment. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of additional pieces that you need to just do a very basic live stream. Uh, can you go over maybe some of the software options for people? Yeah, absolutely, man. The first thing you need to do is to set up the live stream and you need to decide what platform you want to use. I'd say the most popular options are typically social media platforms, but you could also use YouTube Live or even Zoom to do your to do your live streaming. I know some of our favorites that we've used is StreamYard at Riverside. And you can also use podcast hosting platforms such as Podbean and Spreaker to do your live streaming. Another recent player to come on to the market is clubhouse where you could easily live stream your podcast clubhouse is a great way to interact with your audience or hold a q a since listeners on clubhouse can ask questions live through voice not just in a chat box and john i've also personally used obs in in the past when doing video game work uh, or doing for my case it was a live stream podcast where we were doing it over zoom to be able to kind of toss our faces up there some graphics in the background it's a free option as well. And, and you mentioned you know, StreamYard is another option that can be free. With a lot of these, you are kind of hit a capacity where they'll only let you do so much. They'll only let you do right. a certain quality of video, a certain number of hours of streaming, that type of stuff. But there are free options out there for you people that want to get started on live streaming quickly. And for those that maybe want to do it upright, there are some paid options that then give you a little bit more flexibility and maybe make it a little bit easier for you to do a lot of the camera switching and graphic switching and that type of content. Yeah. So as far as other equipment, some things you, you would need would be most importantly, you'll need a high quality mic, preferably one that limits background noise. Matt's mic, the Shure PG58 would be a very cost efficient mic to, to use for this. You also need a means of capturing your audio. These, whether through USB or through an audio interface, as we've talked about at the beginning of the episode, And if you're doing a video live stream, then obviously you'll need a decent camera, a tripod, some lighting to make it look the best. You also need some sort of program or software to host your live streaming. Yeah. So again, you know, if you want to go with a very basic budget setup, it's not very expensive. Uh, If you want to go and and make yourself maybe look a little bit prettier, uh, you know, it, it can get expensive pretty fast. But luckily, 
the audience seems to be pretty understanding with some limitations, especially for individual streamers, at least in my experience. You know, so in, invest in it as makes sense for you, uh, especially if you're a podcaster. You know, you don't necessarily have to toss thousands of dollars into it Im- immediately if you don't want to, uh, or if you're not capable of doing so. Certainly, you know, th- there are ways to make an engaging, interesting product without having to drop a used Toyota on it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think another good tip for planning a successful live stream is to plan for it this is uh something that so podcasting live removes the safety net of editing if a mistake is made so you'll need to be as prepared as possible before you hit record so preparing a little more will help minimize the ums and ahs and awkward silences if you're live podcast is an interview have your questions ready and definitely go through them with your guests before you start you don't have to have every moment scripted but having an outline of segments you want to cover will come in handy Yes. And again, from my personal experience, having done live streaming, you're 100% right. You do need to be prepared. You might not necessarily have to script everything out if you're doing something that that the fun and spontaneity of it is there, but it takes practice. You're not going to be the first episode's not going to sound great, uh, to be quite honest with you, because you have to fill that dead air. You can't just leave a ton of time sitting there, but you have to be fun and engaging at the same time. And that is a skill that you know, certainly we've all been in a pandemic and been locked down for a little while. I haven't had to be as fun as engaging in front of a live audience in a long time. So it is definitely a skill that, that takes getting practice and, and to get good at doing, but definitely get yourself as prepared as you possibly can. So that way you don't have to interrupt yourself. You don't have to interrupt your stream, which when that happens, you have a, a bigger chance of dropping that audience. What about other elements of, of the live stream, Matt? Like, uh, video elements and graphic elements. Do you have any tips on creating a better presentation for the live stream? Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to depend on exactly what you want to do, but you know, typically a good background with spot cutout for your video if you have video or some type of a slideshow which I've done for audio only live streams where we just had kind of a a slideshow of of pictures go through that were a little bit easier for us to not have to manage um, on that side, if you're going to be doing a lot of live switching, you know, either having an additional USB device to help you live switch makes sense. Um, and as far as creating graphics go, just John, you, you hit it on the head earlier. Be prepared. Don't don't run into it and go, oh, man, I really wish I had this. Let me try to do it anyway. Uh, in the moment, it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. be prepared for what your switches are. Be prepared for. Uh, what you want to show and what you're going to end up doing. So if you're playing a video game, chances are you probably want your camera in a corner somewhere at a much smaller size than you do the overall video game image. If you're doing a podcast, you know, you have multiple guests, make sure you have a background with cutouts for multiple guests. Maybe have their names on there. Maybe have things like that. Again, basics. It seems super easy, but it's it's also just as easy to jump into it without any preparation and then all of a sudden no one knows who your three guests are and it looks super bad in the background and you know we talk about this a lot with a lot of other things you kind of have one shot if you alienate that audience off the bat because you didn't do it right you didn't plan it's going to be a lot harder to grab them the second time around so first impressions uh, mean a lot speaking of audience that's another good tip matt is your audience engagement thinking about ways to incorporate your audience in the show 
this could be an added bonus for the audience as they really get to feel connected to you and be part of the special event compared to just like a regular podcast. Do you have any suggestions on on that? Absolutely. It depends on which platform you're eventually streaming to. Um, so YouTube has some comment chat on the side. Twitch does as well. I believe StreamYard does as well. But that one, if I am correct, I think is more invite only. It, again, it's going to depend on exactly what you're doing for maybe a podcast. I would personally say, you know, hey, let's keep comments to a minimum until the end where we're going to do a little Q&A session for 20 minutes for live streamed engagement content, you know, your video games, your audience based podcasts, having a producer or someone that can watch comments that can kind of help bring that stuff up. So that way your main host can then focus on being engaging and being interesting in front of the audience. You kind of have a producer on the side going, Hey, you know, Jay uh, said this thing about 10 minutes ago, you know, what do we think about that? can kind of bring in the audience in that way. So it's, again, really going to depend on exactly what type of content that you're doing, but it's not a bad thing to have someone there to help kind of lead comments and bring some of that content into the fold if you're doing more audience engagement throughout a show. That's awesome, man. I have one last tip here, Matt. Uh, This is a big one. (laughs) Location. One note on, on location is if you're looking to capture your show at a convention or conference or anywhere else outside of your studio, be aware of your background noise. If screaming children or roaring jet engines are at the event, you may want to consider another location. And your internet connection also will play a huge factor in it uh, as well. You know, yes. John, we, we record this over a wide variety of video chat programs, but we're also recording separately on our own devices yes. with a live stream. You don't have that backup. What you're, what you're putting out there is what you're putting out there. So if one of you doesn't have a good connection and you cut off, and this has happened to me <laughs> so many times during live streams uh, where a guest or a co-host has cut off, it can really throw a monkey wrench into a podcast, especially where someone's speaking and then they cut out. You think maybe, are they done? Are they there? What's happening? The audience then starts wondering because you're halfway into a thought and it, it, it can take a second to get kind of back up to speed and go where you're going. So make sure that anyone that's going to be on there, certainly anyone that you're highlighting, has a stable internet connection plugged in, if at all possible. I know Wi-Fi is great and all that. I've run into too many issues where things drop out all of a sudden and your internet decides to cut out for that minute. So wired connections, if at all possible. If not, just make sure everyone has a good internet connection and is not in a Starbucks cafe. Good tip. I mean, that covers a lot of the live streaming stuff that's out there. Certainly, you know, we want to hear your experiences with live streaming, whether it's been with video games, whether you've done a podcast live streamed, uh, whether you're a business that is either thinking of doing a panel or an internal live stream for training or something like that, or if you've already done something like that, uh, make sure to hit us up on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn and Facebook, or just again, email us at info at qd-up.com. We want to hear from you guys and what your experiences are when it comes to live streamed content. What do you guys like? What are your experiences have you had? Maybe what glitches have you had that we didn't get a chance to talk about in here? Are there any favorite products that you just cannot live without when you're live streaming? Where do you host? I want to know where people host their live streamings. There you go. So get in the comments, hit us up. I'm, I'm legitimately excited about this stuff. Uh, especially as we get into more live streamed content 
uh, over the next handful of years as it becomes a bigger medium. I want to see what you guys are doing and uh, get excited about that. Well, John, I think we have an awesome podcast here for everyone that is interested in live streaming. Yeah. Uh, we also talked about those Apple numbers, both the monthly numbers and their subscription numbers. We've talked about Netflix hiring a director of podcasts and starting up their N plus. And then as always, my silky sultry voice is being displayed even more so on this uh, new equipment here. So it sounds good, man. <laughs> it, it does. It does. It's been a pleasure being with all you guys. And until next week, we are Matthew Stevens and John Luckenball. This is the queued up podcast on podcasting. Thank you and see you guys next week.